Thanks for tuning into the Health Scientist Podcast. I'm your host, Richie Kerwin, and today I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Artin Endesarjo. Artin is a licensed medical doctor and a family medicine resident in Sweden, and he's also a PhD candidate in the field of primary care at Lund University. On top of that, he is co-founder of the brand EBT, Evidence-Based Training, which is dedicated to making wellness science simple and understandable. In today's episode, Artin is going to speak about self-determination theory, or the theory of why people do what they do. If you've ever listened to this podcast before, you know that I've spoken with a number of guests about the importance of psychology when it comes to helping people change their behaviour. Um, today, we talk about how to turn external motivation into something more intrinsic, which is usually a lot easier to maintain. Arden also talks about the importance of different personality types and how coaches can learn more about it to help their clients even better. I really hope you enjoy this episode and even learn something from it because I know I learned loads from Arden today. And if you do, I'd love it if you left a rating or a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use. Or if you're listening on YouTube, consider hitting the like button and subscribing for more great podcasts. And if you can, please share the podcast on Facebook or Instagram, Twitter, or even LinkedIn. Not only do I massively appreciate it, but it helps promote the podcast to more people, which really encourages other guests to come and speak. And that means I can get even more great content out to you. And on a final note, if you know someone who you think this information could benefit, maybe a coach or someone interested in the psychology of behavior change, please let them know about this episode and maybe it can be of some help to them. So... Onto this conversation with Artin. Let's talk science. Artin, how are you doing? How are you doing, Richie? I'm doing really well. Good, good, good. Great to have you, and thank you for joining us today. Um, really, really looking forward to this chat that we're going to have um, because, like, when we originally discussed the idea of what to talk about, I was really, really intrigued by self-determination theory because. It's something that I've heard about before, um, and I've never heard it explained particularly well or particularly concisely, so I thought it'd be cool to, to speak with you about that today. Um, so before we kind of get into it, um, just for anybody who, who might not be familiar with you, um, could you give us a little bit of uh, an introduction, tell us a little bit about your background, what you do, and um, yeah, what you're doing now? Sure. Um, so my name is Artin Enzardri. I'm a medical doctor working in Sweden. Uh, I'm also a PhD candidate uh, doing my research in primary care, uh, which is also what I work with. So I'm working at a primary care clinic in Sweden. Uh, I have founded the brand EBT, uh, evidence-based training, because I'm a nerd at heart and I love science. So I try to uh, get the most out of that through social media by sharing knowledge with people and getting feedback and developing, creating this kind of win-win scenario. Um, what else? Uh, I dance and I go to the gym and I cook when I can, inspired by your page a lot, Richie. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, just out of curiosity, you, you dance. What do you dance? So this is kind of um, unconventional. I dance reggaeton, <laughs> which is like the twerking dance. But I, yeah. I just started with it like six months ago. So I'm not no by no means an expert. But I've been doing some street dance and some other type of dance before. It's the best type of cardio. If you don't like cardio, dance is the way to go. Because then you can just go to the gym, make your gains, and then dance, get your cardio. I, I actually, I completely agree with you on that. Because 
Uh, I dance myself. I do a little bit of salsa, and it is a spectacular way to get cardio in because it's fun and it is a million times better than hopping on a treadmill or hopping on a stairmaster or something like that. So it's good to know I'm not the only one doing stuff like that. So uh, pretty cool. <laughs> so um, okay, tell us a little bit about uh, a little bit about EBT because that's how I, I got to know you originally. So, yeah. So um, basically, me and my colleague uh, Omar. Our classmate at the time, we uh, we just started for fun, like an Instagram page. We called it, I think we called it like Beasting Doctors, and we were we watched a lot of Hodge Twins. I don't know if anyone here knows the Hodge Twins, but we found them really funny, um, and we were trying to like inspired by them to start giving people advice. But then we did it through the medical school lens, so we because we wanted to get good results at the gym ourselves, but we didn't know what the best approach was. And, you know, there were some uh, bloggers in Sweden who were doing a more evidence-based approach. So we were inspired by them. And we started creating content, but we wanted to do it simple. That was back in 2015. Um, so we were just basically posting, like, a simple conclusion and then a picture and then uh, some text and some references. And back then, people were like, references on Instagram? I've seen it all. <laughs> so it was pretty fun to get that uh get that feedback and we grew a lot um so it just yeah we just tr kept growing kept creating content and uh, we're up in around 34,000 followers i think now plateaued around there um but we we created a book called diet like a doctor where i summarized everything i've learned about nutrition uh, throughout the years with dialogue with other evidence-based people learned a lot and kept updating that book as i learned more so it's been like a living document that I update all the time. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. And then we decided to, one year ago, we were approached by some other people who were personal trainers and had educated many personal trainers before. Uh, and we decided to start a personal training school, an evidence-based personal training school to start having some more evidence-based impact on the wellness industry in Sweden. So that became EBT Academy. And it's in Swedish, so unfortunately, if it, unless you have some uh, Swedish-speaking followers, uh, it's only available in Sweden. But it's been a lot of fun and a good experience, in both, like working with other people with different backgrounds, and running a business and all that. But to be honest, EBT has just been like a hobby that's gone crazy. Like it wasn't, it wasn't started as a business model or anything. It was just started as a way to be nerdy and get some approval and likes for every nerdy thing I did and then get some feedback. <laughs> well, but see, that's usually the best way to do something. It's just because you're doing it because you enjoy it and because you're passionate about it. And, you know, if, if it turns into something that can be a lucrative business, fantastic. But, you know, if you're still enjoying it, I think that's the most important thing, right? Absolutely. And uh, it's the, 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 the red lining, I think, I don't know if you can say that in English, but the, the common thread throughout all of my stuff, both within medicine and within, within fitness and within wellness, has been to understand behavior and understand why people do what they do. Why do you know what to eat but still don't eat right? Why do you know how to train and still don't manage to train right? Why do I know what type of person I want to be when I'm out and about and socializing and why do I not act in accordance with what I want to do? What is the difference differentiator there? And it's been, I guess it's on a more philosophical level. That's what's been driving me that curiosity to understand people. But see, that's, that's a key 
factor when it comes to, like you said, behavior change, when it comes to helping people do what they need to do to, to achieve their goals. Because, like, you know, I, I, if I've said this once, I've said this a thousand, thousand times, you can tell people what they need to do, but if you don't help them to do it or to make it a habit or to make it something that they do regularly, it doesn't matter. They can have the best approach in the world. If they can't put it into action, it's not going to happen. And, and I can, that brings us on to, like, one aspect of, so, like, behavior changes, it's a huge field, and there's so many different things and areas we could get into. But I really, really wanted to get into what you brought up, with, which was self-determination theory. And I was wondering if you could just, like, just to start us off, could you give us a bit of an idea of what self-determination theory is and what's it made up of and kind of how, it, how does that relate to motivation? Sure. So uh, I keep forgetting the name of the founders. I think it was Richard Ryan's, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but self-determination theory is basically... Uh, the, the framework uh, that's used by psychologists to understand what motivates people. Um, I mean, you've probably read, if you've ever read a self-help help book uh, talking about uh, different types of things to get you motivated, uh, chances are a lot of that stuff is really just self-determination theory uh, put into other words. So it's very interesting. It was, I was, for me, it was like an epiphany when I found out about it. It was like, oh, I recognize this from like every text and thing I've ever read, but this is the original source. So like, this is where it all came from. Um, it's basically, I, I could say, if do you want me to summarize the theory already or would you like me to? Yeah, if you can give us kind of a general idea of how, of, of the theory itself, yeah. So the, the general idea is what factors drive people to want to do something? What is it that drives us to change our behavior? when uh, between uh, us wanting someone else to do something or whether we want to do something for ourselves, what do we need? What are the abstract categories or ingredients needed to change behavior and create motivation? Because to change or to um, carry out any behavior, we need motivation. So where does that come from? And there's three factors that self-determination theory uh, poses as the key ingredients for motivation. Okay, what, what are those those three factors? So, generally, it's autonomy, it's relatedness, and it's competence development. Um, and a bit more detail, autonomy basically means the, the ability or the feeling that we are in control and that we are choosing the what we're doing. We, are, we have a choice in what approach to take and it all actually stemmed from if i understand it correctly it, it stemmed from a study on um, on employees where they were given economic reimbursement for how creative they were so uh, the th idea was well if we pay people to be creative and solve more puzzles then they will solve more puzzles so uh, pay them more and they will solve more puzzles Interestingly, what happened was when they compared that uh, approach to simply asking people to solve puzzles for the hell of it, uh, more people were solving puzzles for the hell of it than those who were getting paid to do it, which basically uh, indicates that if someone from the top down is telling you to solve a problem, as opposed to you being motivated by your own curiosity to solve the problem, uh, that latter scenario will motivate you more and that's where the 
hypothesis of autonomy as a as a component of intrinsic motivation came to be. So you you've mentioned something there, intrinsic motivation, and I, I think that's a really really key factor in self determination theory. If we talk about you know something a motivation being intrinsic, what what does that mean specifically? It means if so, if you have intrinsic motivation, it means you're engaging in a task or the rewards inherent in the task itself. So um, I mean, compare that to in, uh, engaging in a task uh, where you're motivated for rewards outside of the task. So if you go to the gym and you inherently feel some form of endorphin kick or some sort of rush uh, from just being there and executing the exercises, just the environment and everything that is there. It gives you some form of a reward intrinsically on the inside. Then that would be intrinsic motivation. But if you're going to the gym to acquire something um, beyond the gym itself, something outside the gym, then uh, that would be classified as uh, extrinsic motivation. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I, I think that's a really, really good way of looking at it because you know if you use the gym. You you can have both of those motivations, and one individual can have both of those motiv- motivations. So, for example, if I, after a long day of work or something like that, I go to the go to the gym, and all I want to do is work out really really hard because it makes me feel good in the moment. And like, like you're saying, that's my intrinsic motivation. That's something that's happening right now, um, and it's just the simple act of doing that makes me feel better. But if we can also say I also go to the gym because I want to get a six pack for the beach in three months' time. We're looking at something that's going to happen afterwards because of going to the gym, and that's my extrinsic, my my external motivation. Is that right? Correct, correct. And you can have both of them at the same time, like you say. And I've always asked myself why why do I? Because I usually when I was uh, newly when I started working as a doctor, I was always recommending the gym. I was always recommending the gym to my patients. Like, it's great. You fight sarcopenia. You'll build more muscles. That muscle will prevent diabetes. And it's got all these benefits. Um, but when I was reflecting on why am I going to the gym, I'm not actually going to the gym because I want to fight sarcopenia or prevent diabetes. That's not what's motivating me. I mean, sure, the, the superficial aspect of it, I'm not going to lie, it's, it's part of the motivation. But uh, even when I haven't had that need to improve my appearance, I'm still motivated to go. And what motivates me personally is improvement and optimization. So when I know that I'm making progress uh, compared to the last time that I was at the gym, I get like a little bit of um, a mini heroin kick in my head. <laughs> like, oh, I'm doing better than before. Awesome. And I just keep surfing. I keep riding that wave. and That's been my motivation, which creates problems when you reach the plateau phase of the workout because then all of a sudden you're in another phase and you have to find some other way to progress. Otherwise, you stop going. That's a really good point. I just want to say, kids, we are not recommending heroin at all, but just uh, using it as an example. <laughs> but uh, That's a really, really good point there. So if, if you talk about gym, and I find that when I – Myself, when I've been working with clients and I get somebody who has never done any gym work before and I say, okay, we're going to give it a try and people will tell me, look, I've never really enjoyed the gym before, but I'll I'll see what I can do. I like to gamify it in a way that you kind of mentioned there, whereby somebody is, you know, they're tracking their progress and they can see every week they're adding a little bit to the bar. And to a certain extent, that means that that intrinsic motivation is, 
it's almost self-sustaining to a point. You know, people get better, so they work out harder, so they get better and they work out harder, and that progresses up to that point that you mentioned, up to that plateau. So at that point, when we've got a plateau, how do we continue to motivate people to keep going? Because they're, they're not getting that little bit of an endorphin rush every time that they, they, they get a new PB. That's a very good question. And I wish I had a straight, straight up answer to you. I don't. I have like my own experience. I'm always experimenting with myself to try to find ways to stay motivated. Uh, there is an app that we promote, a little shameless plug called Dr. Muscle that um, we use, that I actually use uh, to motivate myself in the gym because it's always, it's literally telling me every time I progress, just like a 0.02% in estimated one rep max, it will tell me that after each workout. So that's one way that I found that actually keeps me motivated to go to the gym. Um, but there are, uh, there are other ways, you know, you need to vary it up, maybe start some high rep training, some low rep training, maybe just find um, like phases where you, where you know that in this phase, my focus is to get strong. And then you, you will probably suffer a bit on another, on endurance front. And then you switch to an endurance phase and you use the progression in endurance to motivate you. And then your strength might move down. And then you go back to the strength phase. So you always have some level of progression in some aspect of your workout all the time. Absolutely. It's kind of important to keep that novelty within a, a training cycle as well. So if that, that's, you know, kind of talking about self-determination theory to a certain ex extent to the, you know, we mentioned external and intrinsic motivation. Um, you also mentioned certain things, which one, one, you know, certain factors, one of them was autonomy when it comes to motivating people and helping them find motivation. Now, autonomy is something that I find is a bit of a game changer when it comes to helping people achieve their goals. And I was wondering if you could kind of just elaborate on, on what that means. And if we were talking about in a coaching situation, how would you be able to provide somebody with autonomy to help improve their motivation? Absolutely. Um, I did read a paper way back that found that uh, strength development, I think it was strength development that improved when you let people choose certain exercises themselves. Um, and I guess that's a, a core foundation of autonomy. So you want to get the client to feel that they are in control and making certain decisions um, based on what uh, you, what their goal is. Um, you don't want to completely from the top down control them with extrinsic motivation because uh, even if the six pack is their motivation, they'll lose intrinsic motivation. So from a, from a coaching, from a gym perspective, it could be simply like, would you prefer high rep training or low rep training? Would you prefer uh, machine exercises or cable exercises? What would you prefer to give you that kick that you need? And then also just presenting the advantages and disadvantages of each approach and then letting the client feel like they're making an informed judgment based on that information. Yeah, I, I think that that's absolutely key because that, that little, let's say, tweak to the way you coach. So you, you could go into with somebody and you say, you are going to do, you know, you, you need to train legs. All you're going to do is, you know, uh, back squats and that's it for the next week. But if you say to somebody, well, look, we could do back squats or we could do leg press or we could do hack squats or if you give them all of these different options and you say, which one of these do you want to do? 
suddenly you've, you've got somebody who's involved in the process themselves and it, it makes it makes it feel like their training program as if they have been involved in, in creating that program they've been involved in in designing it and, and that that really really does help um i'm just curious um so that's kind of how you know self determination theory and how that relates to to motivation when you're working with a client but when you're working with different clients you know we're going to have to use different strategies i think it's it's just normal and one thing that can potentially play a massive factor when we're trying to um figure out the correct strategy for an individual client is their specific personality and i was wondering if you could elaborate maybe a bit more on how personality type can kind of fit into how you would tailor your coaching with somebody for sure um so personality you've probably heard of uh, this book was called surrounded by idiots i don't know it's is the same one with the red green uh, blue and yellow personality have you heard of this one i've heard i've heard of that yeah like uh classification system yeah yes so this i think it's called disc or something like that it's not as far as i know cuz because if you're interested in behavior then you eventually end up at personality and if you're a nerd and interested in evidence based approaches you're like what is the best what is the most evidence based quote unquote way to classify people's personalities so the first is to try to get a good system for classifying your your client's personality and from what i know uh, the big 5 is the one that's used most often in research and the one that's most evidence based because it's it was created from an agnostic standpoint where they basically it was created by taking all of the adjectives uh, available Uh, in the dictionary to describe someone's personality and factor analyzing it so that you basically distill all the words that are available into five words uh, to describe someone's behavior and this was based on what people would report which which of these adjectives people would report having at the same time um so the five elements of personality according to the big five model are conscientiousness that is your um how restless you feel when you're not being productive uh, agreeableness how kind you are so to speak or how much you take consideration for other people's needs before your own uh, openness to experience uh, that is linked to creativity and trying new things uh, extroversion which you've probably all heard of which is the opposite of introversion how much you see the world as an as a place for social opportunity rather than um a place for Uh, isolating yourself from other people and spending time with yourself and finally neuroticism which is your tendency to for negative emotion your tendency to uh, react uh, negatively when something goes wrong so if you just hear those five words you're probably already thinking about clients that you've had which have been higher or lower in various uh, amounts of these traits and you could use that as a framework to choose how you would motivate your clients um an example could be so if we go back to self determination theory it, there was autonomy relatedness and competence uh so we talked a lot about autonomy uh, if you want someone to uh, if you want to focus more on the autonomy approach i would just by reasoning i don't have empirical data to back this up but just by reasoning actively uh if someone is very open has a very high openness to experience Uh, I would focus much more on the autonomy aspect. Yeah, you have all these options. You can choose different things. Try, try, try kipping pull-ups. I don't know, whatever, <laughs> whatever that they would uh, would like to feel motivated. Um, you could use that. Um, 
Another pillar of self-determination theory is relatedness. And relatedness creates an inner motivation in clients when they feel that someone cares about what they're doing. They feel like they're getting some form of social validation, some form of uh, approval, uh, and that someone is actually affected by what they do. So as a coach, you're a big part of your job is uh, that relatedness for your client to feel like what I'm doing matters both to me, but also to my coach and my coach believes in me and trusts in me. So I would focus more on the relatedness aspect. If I had, for example, a very agreeable client where they really value someone else's value that someone else uh, has a good time and will value that someone else is feeling well, they would probably be more motivated by, um, uh, that approval, like focusing on regularly sending them texts to uh, get them going and keep them motivated. Those are just two examples. So just out of curiosity on this, so this is something that um, that kind of, you know, it just, it surprises me a lot. But um, like probably in, in your case, it seems quite almost intuitive to to praise somebody or to to kind of show interest in in their in their achievements, to show interest in their progress as a coach, but not even as a coach, as a human being, it, it seems like something that's quite normal to do. I think as a coach, it is an essential um, trait as well. But I get the impression, just from speaking with other people, that there are a lot of coaches out there that don't seem to give a damn about what their clients are doing as long as they're paying them on time. And so you're, you're, you're kind of saying that, just showing that little bit of interest can have a huge benefit on certain individuals in getting them to achieve their goals. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of funny that you say that it's intuitive to me because I am very, like I took the big five test. I am pretty low in agreeableness and pretty high in conscientiousness. So I am, I'm very results oriented actually, uh, but I am, I will be very much like, all right, what's the point of what you're trying to say? Just tell me what you need and let me get out of here. Like that's my natural state, but I'm actively working because I've noticed what an impact it has when, I, when I'm showing genuine interest. And this is the, doesn't mean that I'm trying to fake interest. What I do is I actively look for things in people that genuinely spark my interest and I explore that more. And then I think people can feel that. People feel when you're genuinely interested in them and you just bond better with people. People love talking about themselves. People love uh, that approval. So if you give them that, that uh, opportunity and actually are interested in what they have to say, I think they will listen to you much more. Uh, does that make sense? No, that, that makes perfect sense. And I, I think the fact that, so let's just step back a little bit. So the test that you mentioned, how can people like take that test themselves or you know, for anybody who is actually a coach, how can they find that test to give it to some of their, their clients? Uh, let me look it up because I have it here. I, I've made all my cousins take this test. <laughs> <laughs> and I have like, uh, the, so this is called uh, big5-test.com. You can go to like, just spell it out, uh, B-I-G-F-I-V-E, uh, what do you call it, dash test.com. Uh, you can take it in any language, I think, or at least a number of languages. And you get like an ID to save your um your result actually compare your result to others and you don't only get the big five you also get the sub facets of each one because remember i said how it's factor analyzed it's distilled to big five you can actually distill it further to the big two or you can even break it down to the 
Big Ten. Um, so if you go to that website, uh, take the test, and you will have a good idea of where you are about. It's an approximation because it's self-reported. But, I mean, it's a pretty good indicator. So, uh, so, so that, from a coaching perspective, if a coach takes it himself, so the coach can say, okay, these are, this is where I kind of fit within the big five, and then they get their clients to take it as well, they'll see that there's, you know, obviously a bit of natural variation within their clients and they can determine which clients are going to respond better to which approaches when it comes to, to trying to motivate them. And what I liked about what you just said there is that you realize that a certain aspect of your own personality, a certain trait might not be conductive for certain individuals. And to work better with certain individuals, you've decided to work on building that trait. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, no, like, like that, that's how, it, it, it's like when you say it like this, it's a very, very simple concept, but I think a lot of coaches focus on just using one single approach for everybody. Like, you know, they've, they've got a hammer and they just try to hammer everybody, even if some people are nails and some people are screws and some people are whatever, bolts. Um, I just think it's, it's a much better approach to learn. Just spend, like, how, how long does that test take? Okay, that one takes, I think it takes 10 minutes, 11 minutes, something like that. 10 minutes, and the, the amount of benefit it could potentially give you when it comes to working with a coach, just, uh, with a client, especially at the beginning, I think that's just, that's absolutely phenomenal. Um, absolutely. So, now, you, you have a particularly unique perspective in that, you know, you work as a coach with people, but you work as a, as a doctor, okay? So, you're, you know, you're not just telling people to go lift weights, you're not just telling people to eat well. Do you find any major difference between the approach that you take when you're, you know, you're wearing your GP coat uh, and when you're wearing, you know, your, your coaching hat, so to speak? Um, well, I, I um, not, not, I mean, there are so many similarities. The main difference is probably that there is a lot more anxiety associated with working as a doctor. A lot of, like, not for me, well, for me too, <laughs> but for my patients, they, there is a lot of uh, uh, worry about uh, that they might be, have some very serious illness. Uh, many times they come with that worry. And if you don't identify and, and uh, respond appropriately to that worry, the patient will not be happy with your approach. Uh, but when it comes to listening, I mean, there's a lot of, and it, when it comes to like autonomy and uh, collaborating with people and trying to get reach an agreement, there's so many uh, similarities. I can give you, I tell you a short story as like an example. So yes. it's pretty common within, uh, within the medical field that people uh, who are gaining weight or are feeling tired feel like they have hypothyroidism. Uh, where, where you have a sub, a, a lower function in your thyroid. Um, we will run the test and they will be normal, but the patient will still insist that they have hypothyroidism because there's this, uh, this group of quacks online that s sell the idea that hypothyroidism is all these, uh, uh symptoms, including feeling tired, uh, having low, being low energy, uh, you know, very unspecific symptoms, which you can have from pretty much anything. So I had uh, the one patient stuck in my head was this woman who, who she had had a very rough life. And um, without going into too much detail, she had been to several doctors and just not feeling well. Like uh, her, she couldn't, she, 
she was feeling, she was sleeping all day, she was super tired, uh, and she was convinced that the reason she was this was hypothyroidism. And she even bought research papers to me, like this pile of printed research papers from one of these quack sites and was like, here, I have all these symptoms. We want you to take an ultrasound of my thyroid and take a biopsy of my thyroid because I don't think the blood work can show that I have hypothyroidism. So the first thing I remember, and uh, I was thinking, okay, I'm just going to listen because I've been working actively. I'm just going to listen to everything she has to say and I'm not going to interrupt her. She spoke for 40 minutes. I didn't, I just told her, I have, just so you know, we have five minutes, but I want you to finish. So keep telling me and we'll schedule a new appointment. She just spoke and spoke and spoke. All I said was, okay, I repeated back her story to her. And she said, yes, that's correct. You've understood it. I took some blood tests, uh, including thyroid tests. I, I met her again. And the next time I met her, uh, the tests were normal, as I expected. Um, she let me talk, ask my questions and reason with her about that I could send you to uh, the ultrasound and take a sample of your thyroid autonomy. Um, but would you, I, I generally don't think that would be in your best interest. I think you would lose a lot of time and not get a good explanation of your symptoms. I would say that there might be something in your life that's been triggering these symptoms, something that's happened. And up until this point, she had been denying that anything had happened. But um, as I was reasoning with her, she said that she started to bring up things that she said that she might have uh, like withheld both from herself and from me. And just several uh, tough events from her life came up that explained pretty much all of the symptoms. And all I had to do was listen. All I had to do was listen and tell her, validate that I heard her story, give her the option that she actually was seeking that explained why I think this would be a better approach. And she solved her own mystery for me, which was a very meaningful experience for me, at least. And I think she was also very appreciative of that. No, absolutely. It's, it's, I, I think every opportunity that we have with a client is an opportunity to learn. And I think just because, and in your case, this is interesting because you mentioned that, you know, you had 45 minutes with this patient and you said, okay, I'm just going to leave her talk, take a sample and then schedule another appointment. One thing that's often a problem and a major limiting factor with, with anybody is a consultation can only last a certain amount of time. You know, you, you can't schedule in like, you know, a, a three hour consultation for everybody. So like leaving somebody, you know, tell their story. And then if you need more time, then maybe say, okay, we just probably we need to do this again because I need to get more information. I think that's even just that simple approach, just taking more time, scheduling in another appointment is fantastic. Um, and like like you said there, you were you were dropping in like your own little bits of the self determination theory when you you dropped in the the opportunity or the option of doing the 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 ultrasound or doing the biopsy, and you gave her that option, but you also explained that option to her fully and kind of what it would entail and why it wouldn't be good. And again, that's that's another key aspect, you know, you're providing people with information, you're giving them the option. At the end of the day, people will always make their own decision. But, you know, I suppose as a coach, your job is there to, to guide them in, in taking that right decision. Is that right? Absolutely, Richie. I think that's, uh, and I, you have to like people. 
I mean, if you're going to work as a coach and as a family physician, you have to like and be interested in people. Uh, and as long as you have that that uh, trait, I mean, we can't always, I have bad days too. Yesterday was one of those days I didn't want to listen to anyone. I was just waiting for the day to end. But, you know, I hadn't slept well and all this stuff. But genuinely being interested in people will get you so much. It's such a simple advice. And it's always the simple advice that is the most true. And even after like reading all this theory and all this stuff, you come back to the simple stuff that you heard from the start, which you haven't really put into practice. And you realize, ah, right, I should listen to people. That's, <laughs> that's what I need to do. <laughs> No, it, it sounds very complicated, doesn't it? Um, Arjun, I'm, I'm like this, like we could go on about this for so long because there's so many different aspects of this that I'd love to get into, but I'm, I'm really, really conscious of your time. Um, just before we kind of, we, we finish up and talk about how people can get in touch with you. Um, if people are more, are interested in learning a little bit more about what we've spoken about here, like self-determination theory, are there any particular resources that you can recommend to them? So um, I I do there is funnily enough uh, selfdeterminationtheory.com <laughs> I think it's called and I think that's the original website of self determination theory just google it I think you'll find it so you can read a lot about the theory there uh, if you want to do it in relation to diets uh, we do have it in our ebook uh, some stuff about it we don't go super deep into the self determination theory but how to use reward and punishment and this kind of stuff in relation to changing people's dietary habits our book is called diet like a doctor so you can get that on our website um, otherwise no I, I i think those are the main main theory. oh and if you want to learn about personality i don't know i think people will have different opinions on the psychologist jordan peterson but he has 21 hours of uh, lectures on psychology and big five personality traits on YouTube. It's called Personality and Its Transformations. Uh, that's a really good place. That's where I learned a lot about stuff from, about personality because he, he does go through the research. It's part of what he does his research in, even though he might talk about stuff outside of his field as well. <laughs> yeah, which people would probably be more familiar with. Um, so Jordan Peterson, always a, a bit of a powder cake to talk about um, for some people. Um, Arden, so if people, I'm going to put all of those details into the show notes, but um, if people want to get in touch with you or learn more about you or follow you, what's the best way to do that? So I have, there's two ways. Uh, you can go to my, if you like the fitness and nutrition aspects of what uh, I do and my colleagues do, you can follow us at EBT official. That's evidence-based training official, but you, we just write it out as EBT official. Uh, you can go to our blog at ebtofficial.com. And if you want uh, to check out our book, you go to ebtofficial.com slash diet. But if you want more of the uh, other stuff, which relates to health and people and stuff, I will be producing more content on that on my uh, other Instagram page at Dr. Artin, just fully spelled out D-O-C. T-O-R, Artin, uh, at Instagram. So you can contact me there if you have any questions. I'd love to answer them. And, uh, yeah, hear from everyone that uh, is interested in this topic. Fantastic. Uh, I'd highly recommend anybody, if you're not following Artin already, hop over to EBT uh, official and hop over to Dr. Artin as well. Get following. The guys put out, like, some of their infographics that they put out are just amazing. The amount of detail 
and work that goes into them is absolutely fantastic. And, and I've thought of that for a long time. That's how we, we you know, I, I first got in touch with you was through your Instagram account. And um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing more stuff that's going to be coming out on your own personal account as well. Uh, Arden, I just want to say thank you so much. I think we'll have to get you on again at some point in the future to talk more about this because there's a lot of stuff that we need to cover on this. But um, for the moment, thank you so much and um, have a great afternoon. Thank you, Richie. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Health Scientist Podcast. I really hope you've enjoyed and maybe even learned something from what we've spoken about today. And if you did, I'd love it if you could leave a rating or a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use, or maybe even share a link on social media, in your Instagram stories, Facebook, Twitter, even LinkedIn. It really helps spread word of the podcast, which means I can continue to get great guests to speak about different topics in health, which means more content for you. It really means a huge amount to me personally too. If you ever want to watch one of the podcasts live or ask questions to any of the guests, you can do so by following me on Instagram at be more nutrition. That's at B underscore more underscore nutrition. And I'd love to hear your comments and feedback about the podcast. So please comment on the podcast post or feel free to drop me a message directly. And if you ever have a suggestion for a guest that you'd like to hear, please do let me know. I'll be back soon with another podcast. See you then.